Welcome to Budget Watchdog, All Federal, the podcast dedicated to making sense of the budget, spending, and tax issues facing the nation. Cut through the partisan rhetoric and talking points for the facts about what's being talked about, bandied about, and pushed to Washington. Brought to you by Taxpayers for Common Sense. And now, the host of Budget Watchdog AF, TCS President Steve Ellis. Welcome to all American taxpayers seeking common sense. You've made it to the right place. For over 25 years, TCS, that's Taxpayers for Common Sense, has served as an independent, nonpartisan budget watchdog group based in Washington, D.C. We believe in fiscal policy for America that is based on facts. We believe in transparency and accountability because no matter where you are on the political spectrum, no one wants to see their tax dollars wasted. Well, Valentine's Day 2022 is approaching podcast listeners, and we need to talk. Continued social distancing, upcoming midterm elections, and budgetary pressures have combined to make things in Washington a bit frosty. This just isn't working. So in an effort to rekindle the romance for making government work, I've assembled the whole TCS team to list some policies for you that we love. We can't overlook a few heartbreakers, like farm subsidies, but there are a number of good reforms and even a few PILFs, (gasps) programs I'd like to fund, that we should talk about. These conversations can be uncomfortable. That's why we're going to break the ice with some tiny conversation hearts. You know, the little candies with short phrases like hug me or cutie pie. So I've got my bag of candy hearts here and I'm going to pass it around to the staff and we're going to go through some of these. So I'm going to start. Let me reach into the bag. All right. Miss you. Well, that makes me think about we miss fiscal conservatives. Wow. We've spent a lot, podcast listeners, responding to the COVID-19 health emergency and the financial fallout for Americans was important. Investing in infrastructure is key to building a solid future together. But we miss the days when trillion dollar spending bills at least made lawmakers think twice about committing. When everything is emergency, nothing is a priority. So it warms our hearts that lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are starting to talk about setting priorities and budgeting for them. This is going to be critical going forward. We've just hit a $30 trillion debt. I'm going to pass the bag off to TCS Vice President Autumn Hanna. Here you go, Autumn. Pick a heart. Ooh, thanks, Steve. Um, Looks like I just pulled out Be Mine. Ooh, I think we uh, all know what it's like to pine after the one that got away. When I think of a good example of the one that got away for us uh, that we really need to get back is the 2016 methane waste rule. And this is really a relationship I think we can't afford to lose because right now we have oil and gas operators on federal land drilling for oil and gas under rules that were written in the late 1970s. And that's costing us billions of dollars. So royalty-free oil and gas because we're operating under these outdated rules. And in 2016, we had updated those rules, but that got thrown out in the last administration. And ever since, we've been trying to get that back. And we're hoping now that the current administration can move forward quickly and get us some some new rules so that we can reignite the flame, I should say, and pull back on this and get our relationship going smoothly once again with how these operations are happening, get taxpayers the money that we, we deserve and that we are owed for this taxpayer-owned resource. And it's really important that we get this right because not only are taxpayers losing billions of dollars on the natural gas because it's royalty-free, we're also carrying the 
burden for the climate impacts that this wasted gas causes. And so we're going to get hit later again, and we're getting hit now already with increased climate liabilities because we aren't addressing the issue of methane waste. Rekindle the flame. I love it. That's awesome. All right. So here, let me uh, pass the bag over to senior policy analyst, Michael Maragos. Back-to-back episodes, Michael. I'm glad to be here. And uh, better yet to have a bag of candy in my hand. Let's see what I got. I dig you. (laughs) Well, we certainly have been digging that the roadless rule and the Tongass National Forest, the largest national forest up in Southeast Alaska, are back together once again. The 2001 national roadless rule prohibited road building and logging in millions of acres of all of the different national forests throughout the country. Those areas became known as roadless areas. But the Tongass and the roadless rule have had a little bit of a tumultuous relationship. After an initial courtship, when the rule went into effect in 2001, a 2003 rule tried to drive a wedge between the two and allowed the Tongass to go its own way and not abide by what the roadless rule was saying. But then a judge in 2011 struck down that rule and the two got back together until 2020 when another rule tried to once again split the two apart, this time make it a clean split where all 9 million acres of the Tongass were back on the market for timber sales and timber harvest. And you have to understand the context of the relationship. Selling timber in the Tongass National Forest costs taxpayers millions of dollars every year. By our count, more than $1.7 billion since 1980. Opening up the Tongass back to road building and timber sales was like watching a mooch of a boyfriend move back in. Thankfully, the Forest Service has recently reversed course and proposed repealing 2020 rule, which will pave the way for the couple to reunite so that uh, hopefully taxpayers aren't uh, paying for ever more Tongass timber subsidies. Wow, Michael, there's lots of metaphors in there, mixed metaphors, even split. You're talking about timber. I mean, this is this has got to be one of my favorite episodes of all time. All right, listeners, you're listening to Budget Watchdog, All Federal. Next, I'm going to pass the bag to Mia Huang, TCS's research and data analyst. Thank you, Steve. All right, let's see what I get. Um, love ya. Well... One thing I know that we sure love is higher federal onshore oil and gas royalty. Taxpayers have been wedded to the current rate of 12.5% ever since it was set in 1920. Well, in comparison, states like Texas, Oklahoma, North Dakota, New Mexico, Colorado, and California all charge 18.75% or more for at least some of their leases, as do federal leases in offshore waters. So if you do the math, If the federal government has been charging 18.75% on all oil and gas produced on federal lands over the last decade, taxpayers could have gotten up to $12.9 billion more in revenue. But at last, it seems like our love might be reciprocated. Actually, just last week, the Department of the Interior dropped a hint that it is considering increasing the royalty rate for new onshore leases, as well as some other leasing reforms. In fact, apart from agency actions, both the House and the Senate version of the stalled Build Back Better bill include important leasing reforms like higher onshore royalty, as well as other important reforms like eliminating non-competitive leasing that will ensure taxpayers receive a fair return for oil and gas resources that we all own. Because as excited as we are for agency actions, we also hope that Congress can continue to push to make these reform permanent. Because if higher royalty rate is finally going to be here, we want to make sure that it is here to stay. 
Great. Thanks, Mia. It's good to have you back on the podcast. All right. Now I'm going to hand the bag over to Tyler Work for her first appearance on Budget Watchdog AF. We're really glad to have you here. And Tyler is the Development and Research Associate here at TCS. Here you go, Tyler. Pick a candy. Uh, Let's see. You rock. So that could only refer to our somewhat rocky relationship with hard rock mining royalties. You know what they say, it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. And that certainly describes our relationship with hard rock mining reform these last couple of months. Because when the House Rules Committee print of the Build Back Better bill came out on October 28th, we fell hard for the much-needed reforms to hard rock mining. The proposed legislation included provisions to finally start collecting revenue for taxpayers from hard rock mineral production on federal lands. So instead of our current 0% royalty, new mining operations would be charged a 4% royalty on gross income and existing operations a 2% royalty on gross income with nearly $1 billion of these royalties going toward abandoned mine reclamation over the next decade. But only one week later, our hearts were broken when the House Rules Committee released an updated version of the bill without the hard rock provisions. So we lost our valentine and taxpayers lost billions of dollars in potential revenue. And because the DOI doesn't even keep track of the quantity or value of hard rock minerals extracted from federal lands, it's impossible to estimate the total potential revenue taxpayers could have gotten from royalties. However, we are optimistic that maybe by next Valentine's Day, we'll have a reason to celebrate. Like TCS Vice President Autumn Hanna said in her testimony to the Senate Energy and Natural Resource Committee, No one thinks simply giving away valuable minerals for nothing makes fiscal sense. Well, that's great. And we just heard from Autumn. And here's a fun fact, Budget Watchdog AF listeners. Um, Conversation hearts were first made by Neko of wafer fame in the 1860s, making them only slightly older than the 150-year 1872 mining law, which is what actually governs our hard rock mining. All right. So let me pass the bag to Wendy Jordan, Senior Policy Analyst here at TCS. Wendy, grab a candy. Thanks, Steve. All right, let me stick my hand here in this bag. And I got, how perfect is this? I got Dreamboat. So (laughs) that's perfect for me. For years at TCS, we've been dreaming of some fiscal sanity actually being applied to the shipbuilding budgets. For years, our dreams have been dashed. The U.S. Navy, on the other hand, has focused its heart's desire on the next generation of ballistic missile submarine, which is the Columbia class of submarines. And while we do love that the submarine leg of the triad is the one that foils our adversaries the most, we don't love it quite as much as appropriations committee members on the Hill. The latest continuing resolution, which will take the federal government through March 11th, allows the Navy to accelerate funding for the Columbia class by as much as $1.6 billion. This is unlike every other program in the federal government, which is supposed to maintain its funding at the FY21 level. Columbia class, because we love you, is getting an acceleration of $1.6 billion in the current fiscal year. Must be great to be the ultimate congressional dreamboat. A submarine is a dreamboat. Okay, so let's see. I'm going to give the bag to Mike Sarisco, Director of Development and Special Projects here at TCS, also making his first appearance on the Budget Watchdog AF podcast. All right, Mike, 
grab a candy. Thank you, Steve. So I get the peace symbol, which I didn't know they even made. What's closest to my heart uh, when I think of peace is the non-proliferation programs that the federal government funds. So the defense nuclear non-proliferation programs usually get about $2 billion a year, and they promote U.S. security by halting global spread of nuclear weapons, which is something we could all get behind, I think. Unfortunately, the Biden administration's first budget request from last year basically kept funding the same for those programs. And we'd like to see that get a little more love from the Biden administration. Yeah, it was just a two-tenths of a percent, right, Mike? Yeah, four million with an M, which for the federal government is very little. Bag of peanuts. Oh, but we're talking bag candy. Passing the bag on to Sheila Karp, who is a senior policy analyst here at Taxpayers for Common Sense. Sheila, grab a candy. Thanks, Steve. I have text me. That must be a new one. I've not seen that one before. But there's nothing new about reading bills. So speaking of reading bills, we love that Congress has recently made some progress in transparency. President Biden actually signed the Budget Justification Transparency Act in September of last year. And this gave taxpayers the opportunity to see all the loving details behind the numbers in the budget requests. So I guess as taxpayers, we can think about it as a Valentine that will arrive in February of each year. But we've heard that this year it might actually be March. But these describe why each line in the budget is the object of desire by all of the requesting agencies. We think that Congress should now follow up on this by living up to its vow of giving taxpayers and each other more time to actually read these long arduous bills. We won't kid you and say that every bill is a love letter, but they still deserve a lot of attention. Republicans and Democrats alike have repeatedly promised to do so, but yet trillion-dollar reconciliation, COVID-19, and omnibus spending bills continuously come up before anyone, including us, has time to read them. The House Agriculture Committee even adopted its reconciliation bill with $27 billion in conservation spending, completely sight unseen last year. So in case you didn't hear that right, Congress passed a bill without not only reading it, but even writing it first. We believe that Congress should have plenty of time to read each bill and digest it before they tie the knot. When it comes to the next farm bill, Steve, Congress could win points at least with Joshua Sewell and I if we don't have to read thousand page farm bills at 5 a.m. again. But speaking of Josh, Steve, I'll hand the bag back to you. Thanks, Sheila. And podcast listeners should know that Taxpayers for Common Sense was a strong proponent of the Congressional Budget Justification Transparency Act from the very get-go. All right. Well, here I'm going to hand the bag now to Josh Sewell, who is a senior policy analyst at Taxpayers for Common Sense and a frequent flyer on the podcast. Josh, pick a candy. Ah, sweet talk. No Valentine's Day is complete without some sweet talk. Just like no budget watchdog all federal podcast is complete without discussion of the Farm Bill. For decades, no group of U.S. farmers have had as sweet a deal from the federal farm policy as sugarcane and sugar beet growers. Now, that's because the federal government artificially increases the price of sugar for U.S. consumers. Wholesale prices, in fact, often are double the price paid in the rest of the world. Why? Well, the federal government does this in three ways. First, we impose quotas that cap foreign imports into the U.S. at very low amounts. Second, the government actually limits the amount of sugar grown in the U.S. that can be sold through a tool called marketing allotments. And finally, 
If all that fails to jack up prices enough, the government actually buys what they call excess sugar to increase prices. It's ridiculous. Now, this bond between lawmakers and this so-called candy-coated cartel is reconsummated yearly by tens of millions in campaign donations. However, and thankfully, with the Farm Bill coming up for reauthorization next year, there is a bipartisan effort to free taxpayers from this toxic relationship, and we're going to be a part of that. So we've gone around the horn here at TCS, uh, and so as not to end on a sad note, we'll point out that the conversation hearts are made by competing companies, including Sweethearts, Brock's, and Sweet Tarts. But no matter the brand, they're sure to bring a smile to the face of taxpayers. And this year, some of the companies trotted out new catchphrases like, way to go, crush it, and high five. So we'll put in the work to ensure that we have a few other positive developments for taxpayers to point to next year. There you have it, listeners. Even the green eye shade team at TCS is still feeling the romance this Valentine's Day, a short but sweet budget watchdog, all federal. The dynamics on Capitol Hill are always changing, and American taxpayers always have a seat at the table with TCS on the budget watchdog beat. This is the frequency, mark it on your dial, subscribe and share, and know this, Taxpayers for Common Sense has your back, America. We'll read the bills, monitor the earmarks, and highlight those wasteful programs that poorly spend our money and shift long-term risk to taxpayers. We'll be back with a new episode, and I hope you'll meet us right here.